Greetings in the name of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. This is season 11 of Guerrilla Christianity. My name is Pastor Brett Walker, and I'd like to thank you for listening to Guerrilla Christianity, an unconventional, no apologies exposition of God's grace from an Orthodox Wesleyan point of view. God's holy word is essential to our teaching, so let's get into God's word right now. And now I would invite you to take out your Bibles, either the ones that you brought with you or the ones in the pews, and turn them with me to the book of Isaiah, chapter 40. We're continuing in our series called When God Speaks, because I believe that God speaks. And we read throughout the pages of the Bible, God speaking to people. In fact, ever since just the second chapter of Genesis, God is speaking to people. In fact, it's all the way back in the first chapter of Genesis. When we first hear God speaking, He says, Let there be light. God speaks. God speaks to His people. And I I believe that God is still speaking to us today. But the first week we asked, are you listening? Are you listening? Because we saw how when God called to Samuel, He called His name, Samuel, Samuel. But He didn't deliver the message until Samuel said, Speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. It wasn't until Samuel prepared himself and was actually actively listening to God that God revealed his message to Samuel. The second week we said, well, what is God's message to us anyway? We find that all throughout the pages of the Bible, God's message is one of repentance because God is a holy God. God is a holy God and cannot abide sin, but he desires and seeks a relationship with us, His creation, made in His image. And so, He offers us a way. He says, turn away from your sin. Turn back to Me. And all throughout the Bible, He is pleading, turn back to Me. Repent. Repent of our sin. That's God's message to us. Last week, we looked at what it meant to speak in God's name. To speak in someone's name is to speak on behalf of that person, to speak in their character. And so we say, how can we tell if someone is speaking in God's name? Well, are they speaking in the character of God? Are they representing the character of God? Is there anything that they are saying that contradicts what God has revealed to us in Scripture? And if so, then we know that that person is not truly speaking in God's name. Well, this week we're going to find out what it means to wait upon the Lord. That's the title of the message today. Wait upon the Lord. People have been waiting and waiting. Waiting for what? Waiting for God to do something. And so we're going to see how the people of Israel reacted to that waiting and waiting. And Isaiah's words of assurance to them. So let us hear the word of the Lord for us today. Isaiah chapter 40, and beginning at verse 21. Have ye not known? Have ye not heard? Hath it not been told you from the beginning? Have ye not 
understood from the foundation of the earth. It is he that sitteth upon the circle of the earth, and the inhabitants thereof are as grasshoppers, that stretcheth out the heavens as a curtain, and spreadeth them out as a tent to dwell in, that bringeth the princes to nothing. He maketh the judges of the earth as vanity. Yea, they shall not be planted. Yea, they shall not be sown. Yea, their stock shall not take root in the earth, and he shall also blow upon them, and they shall wither, and the whirlwind shall take them away as stubble. To whom then will ye liken me, or shall I be equal, saith the Holy One? Lift up your eyes on high, and behold, who hath created these things? that bringeth out their host by number. He calleth them all by names and by the greatness of his might, for that he is strong in power, not one faileth. Why sayest thou, O Jacob, and speakest, O Israel, my way is hid from the Lord, and my judgment is passed over from my God? Hast thou not known Hast thou not heard that the everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, fainteth not, neither is weary? There is no searching of his understanding. He giveth power to the faint, and to them that have no might, he increaseth strength. Even the youths shall faint and be weary, and the young men shall utterly fall. But they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary, and they shall walk and not faint. May God pour out His rich blessing upon this, the reading of His holy word. Let us pray. O God, our Heavenly Father, from You all wisdom comes. And we pray for Your Holy Spirit to be upon us, Lord, to open up the riches of your holy word for us today, that we may discover in these words, in your word, the love, the depth, the breadth, the height of your grace and your mercy toward us. All this we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. I promise you, by the way, I promise you that when I planned this service out, I had no idea the Eagles were going to be in the Super Bowl. Not why I chose this. Uh, as, as a matter of fact, this is today's reading in the lectionary. It just sort of happened that way. Which tells us... No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> oh, that it were true. Um, <laughs> I just thought it was kind of funny. And um, But, it, it leads me into... The, this. Um, what is the one thing that you have waited for the longest? Well, <laughs> tonight uh, we're going to see this contest between the Eagles and the Patriots, and perhaps, perhaps, the Eagles, I, I think they have a shot. I really do. I do. I think they have a shot at winning tonight. And if they do, it will be the first time they ever won the Super Bowl and the first championship that they've won since 1960. So some people have been waiting 58 years for them to win again, right? That's a long time, right? I've been waiting my whole life, so, you know, <laughs> that's even longer still, right? 
Um, I, uh, you know, when I remember when the Phillies won the World Series in 1980. Um, 2008 was great because we didn't really expect that to happen. But 1980 was a special year because the the Phillies were established in 1883, which means they had gone 97 years without a championship. 97 years. That's a long time to wait, too, right? So the people of Israel had been waiting and waiting. They were waiting for a victory also, but it was a different kind of victory. See, this is what had happened. The people of Israel, when they got into the Promised Land, when things started to go really well, they started to look around them, and they started to say, hmm, all these other kingdoms around us, they worship other gods. They worship gods that we don't worship. Why is that? And they started to, they started to say, you know, okay, I, I'm going to be a little bit, um, I don't see any children here, right? So let's, let's, let's be adults for a second. There's this uh, god of the Canaanites called Baal, all right? Baal is a god of fertility. And um, he has a counterpart, a female counterpart named Asherah. And so Baal worship, uh, when people wanted their crops to succeed, when people wanted their women to bear children, right? They would worship Baal because Baal was the god of fertility. And now, in order for Baal's fertility to work, he had to procreate with Asherah, okay? Now, how do you get two gods to procreate? What they would do in their um, services, as it were, is they would themselves procreate on the altar, right? Because they thought this will get Baal and Asherah turned on, right? And then they'll procreate, and then we'll have all these crops, and our women will have children, blah, 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 blah. Well, now here's the Jews. They're looking at that service and going, that's pretty interesting. <laughs> you know? I mean, it appeals to the baser nature of humankind, right? It appeals to the flesh, really, is what it does. But they look at it, well, it's a worship service. It must be a worship service, right? The problem is, it has nothing to do with God. And God never said, that's the way we should worship. And so, when the people of Israel turned their backs on God, God said, fine, I have been providing for you, I have put a hedge of protection around you, let's see how you do on your own for a while. And then the people, uh, their enemies would conquer them, and it was then when they had been conquered and enslaved and taken away into captivity, all of a sudden they said, wait a minute, what are we doing? We worship Yahweh. He's the one who, who uh, took us out of bondage in, in Egypt and brought us into the promised land. He's the one who drove all those people out. All those people who were worshiping Baal and Asherah, he drove them out so that we could move in. What are we doing? And they turned back to God. And that leads us to this passage here. They had turned back to God. They had put away their idols. 
but they were still waiting. It's like, it's, it's like they were saying, you know, one day they're, they're worshiping their idols, and they said, oh, wait a minute, this isn't working, so let's worship God. And they worship God for like one day, and they go, okay, God, you know, well, why aren't you responding, God? We've been worshiping you for like 24 whole hours here, you know? And they said, well, we've been waiting, we've been waiting, waiting for God to respond, and he's not responding. And so that's what brings us to this passage today. Uh, right before this passage, let's actually go back to verse 18, because this is what Isaiah was saying to the people of Israel. And again, inspired by the Spirit of God. He says, To whom then will ye liken God, or what likeness will ye compare unto him? He's talking about the idols. He says, The workman melteth a graven image, and the goldsmith spread it over with gold, and casteth silver chains. He that is so impoverished that he hath no oblation, chooseth a tree that will not rot, he seeketh unto him a cunning workman to prepare a graven image that shall not be moved. And this is what he's saying. He's saying all these people are worshiping is the work of their own hands. You understand that they made these idols. They, they formed these idols. They created these idols. And they're worshiping the thing that they created rather than worshiping the Creator. God. God made all things. See, in a, in a polytheistic uh, society, they worship many gods. And anytime there's something that happens in nature that they can't explain right off the top of their heads, they attribute it to some god. And so there's a god of the sun, and a god of the moon, and a god of the tides, and a god of fertility, and a god of the harvest, and a god of this, and a god of that, and everything else. And anything that happens in the world, there's a God behind it, right? But the people of Israel knew, it had been revealed to them, that there was one God who, in ages past, spoke and worlds were formed. This God was the God, the only God, and all the other gods were just made-up gods. That's why there's no, you don't find any statues of God. You don't find any idols of God because God has never revealed his form because he knew that if he ever revealed his form, what would happen? We would make a statue and we would worship the statue and forget about God. And that's exactly what the people were doing. So this is where we come to today. Isaiah is speaking not to a Gentile audience, but he is speaking to a Jewish audience. An audience that knows that Yahweh is God. They have been raised to know that there is one true living God. And so he says to them, Have you not known? Have you not heard? Has it not been told to you from the beginning? You've been raised with this, with this knowledge. You know this. You know this deep in your heart. He says, It is he that sits upon the circle of the earth, and the inhabitants thereof are as grasshoppers. 
He stretches out the heavens as a curtain and spreads them out as a tent to dwell in. See, because unlike idols which are made by the hands of men, God sits above the heavens, having created all things, and to Him all the people are as insects. Idols, on the other hand, are made by men, carried by men, have no voice, create nothing, and are in fact themselves created. So he says, God brings the princes to nothing. He makes the judges of the earth as vanity. The highest and most powerful of all people are only living at the whim of God's sovereign will. It is he who is sovereign ruler of the universe, and it is he by whom all things happen. He says, verse 24, they shall not be planted, they shall not be sown, their stock shall not take root in the earth, and he shall also blow upon them, and they shall wither, and the whirlwind shall take them away as stubble. Because at the whim of God, the most powerful and long-established dynasties of the earth are as mere stubble, chaff to be blown away by the breath of God. No matter how powerful we think we are or appear to be, none of us is more powerful than the God who created us. And in the final determination, He will outlast all of us. Verse 25. To whom then will ye liken me, or shall I be equal, saith the Holy One? So this is God actually speaking, again, through Isaiah, speaking to the people. Who, are you going to, who, who will you compare me to? Who will possibly compare to me? And the question is a valid one. God, is being the creator of all things, He exceeds all things in creation. God is greater than that which He created. Just as a building would not even exist had it not been for the mind of the architect or the hands of the builders that built it. In Deuteronomy chapter 33, we read, There is none like God who rides through the heavens to your help, through the skies in His majesty. There is none like God. There is none like God. God alone is the Creator. Psalm 113 we read, Who is like the Lord our God? It's a rhetorical question. The answer is no one. Right? Who is like the Lord our God who is seated on high, who looks far down on the heavens and the earth? Who is like God? No one is like God. God is unique in all of the creation because He is not created. He's, he's the uncreated one. He made all things. And so He stands alone in all of creation. He's, there's nothing and no one like God. And verse 26, Isaiah says, Lift up your eyes, and speaking as God, Lift up your eyes on high, and behold, who hath created these things, that bringeth out their host by number? He calleth them all by names, by the greatness of his might, for that he is strong in power, not one faileth. So he says, Look at the sky. Look at the stars in the sky at night. And if you've ever been any place where there is no light pollution, uh, like out in, the, out in the desert somewhere, where you could see 
it seems like millions of stars. You look and you think, God made every single one of them. And we are only seeing a very small part of one galaxy that is one of a billion galaxies in this universe that God created by His will. And it's mind-boggling when you think about the, the, the sheer magnitude of everything that God has made. And so that's what he's saying here. Look at, look, look at the sky. Look at the stars of the sky. Behold, who has created these? And the answer is God. God created them. And so he says in verse 27, Why do you say, O Jacob, and speak, O Israel, My way is hid from the Lord, and my judgment is passed over from my God? Now this is not, this is not to say... Uh, the way it's being presented here, it, it sort of sounds like they're saying, you know, I can do all this bad stuff and God's never going to see it. But that's not what they're saying. This is what they're saying. My way is hid from the Lord. My judgment is passed over for my God. What they're really saying is, we're doing all these great things and God isn't noticing. And God isn't paying any attention. Why isn't God rewarding us for all this good that we're doing all of a sudden for the past week? Right? Let's say by very poor choices, maybe you've been, you've been drinking for a long time, doing drugs, and then uh, gambling all your money away, and you're so far in debt, and then one day you wake up and you say, you know what, this is, this is terrible, what am I doing? I, I quit drinking, I quit doing drugs, I quit gambling. And then the next day you wake up and you go, why isn't my life any better? Because it's been a day, you know? It takes time to rebuild the wreckage of your life after you completely destroyed it. And that's what these people are experiencing. That's what these people are experiencing. But this is what Isaiah says in response to that. They say, why isn't God noticing all this good that we're doing all of a sudden, Right? Have you not known, have you not heard that the everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the, earth, of the ends of the earth, he faints not, neither is weary. There is no searching of his understanding. He says, look, this is an eternal God we're talking about here. Okay? You turned away from your sin and you've been going in the right direction for like a week now. This is an eternal God that we're talking about and things will be restored in his time. But they will be restored. That's important. We do stand on the promises of God and, and He will restore all things. But it's in His time. Sometimes we get impatient. Don't we? You know, I was, I was talking to a friend of mine at work last night. He's one of the trainers who trains um, drivers. Right? And he says, uh, he says to me, this guy's hopeless. I, I've been working with him for so long, and I'm just, I'm tired of it. I've lost all my patience with him. Oh yeah, well how, you, how long have you been working with him? Three weeks. Oh come on, man. <laughs> it takes some time. You know, have some patience. You know, the mind of a teacher is, is one of patience. Do you think a, a first grade teacher 
sits there and says, man, I taught them two times two equals four. Why aren't they getting it? You know, it takes time and repetition. It takes a great deal of patience. And if you ask any teacher, you know, they don't teach everything on the first day and then take a 365-day vacation, you know. They spread it out over the whole year. I have a great deal of respect for teachers who could teach so methodically. I have no idea what goes into all that planning, you know. But it's, it's a fantastic thing to see when at the end of it all, you know, the... The, the 12th grader who graduates from high school, they weren't formed in one day. It took 12 years of learning to get to where they, got, to where they are, to prepare themselves for college in four more years of learning, maybe even four more years after that to get their master's, and then their doctorate. You know, it's, it's a long process. It takes a long time. It's not going to happen like, well... I've been going to school for a week. How come I haven't figured out calculus yet? You know? It takes time. It takes time. Isaiah takes a little bit of a turn now. He says, you know what? The people need some encouragement. Don't they? They need some encouragement. Okay. You've been waiting. You're impatient. You want, to, you want, to, you want some results? Here we go. He says, he, meaning God, he gives power to the faint. And to them that have no might, he increases their strength. Even youths shall faint and be weary, and the young men shall utterly fall. This is what he's saying. You ever seen, a, you ever seen kids will run flat out, and they'll probably run rings around most people here, right? Including myself. And, and the thing is, even they get tired after a while. <laughs> I've got this four-year-old at home. You ever met him, right? Okay, he is wound up, right? And he just, he's like constantly on the go. And he's just bang, 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 everywhere. And then what happens? You put him in the car, you drive. And we didn't even get to 130. He's. Because even youths grow weary. They faint and be weary. And the young men shall utterly fall. Because we all run out of energy, don't we? We don't have a limitless supply of energy. Unless, and this is where he comes in, they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. What does it mean to wait upon the Lord? To wait upon the Lord means I'm standing on the promises. I know that God is faithful and true. Check this out. In, in Hebrews, okay, Hebrews chapter 11, there is this fantastic chapter, Hebrews 11. And if you ever need any encouragement, all you have to do is go down and read chapter 11 of, of Hebrews because it's all about these people who lived by faith. The writer of Hebrews starts out by saying, Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. I believe it, therefore it is. Okay? That's what faith is. I believe it. It's the evidence of things not seen. It doesn't mean that we have to blindly believe something, <clears throat> especially in the face 
of evidence to the contrary. Okay, that's not what faith is. Faith is not the opposite of like science, okay? But what faith is, is believing something before it can be proven. All right? So, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. And then this is what he says. He says, By faith, Abel offered unto God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain. Okay? By faith, Enoch was translated that he should not see death. Uh, but by faith, Noah, being warned of God of things not seen as yet, moved with fear. You know, Noah built an ark in the middle of, you know, no rain or anything like that. He didn't build it anywhere near the water, but he did it by faith because God told him to. By faith, Abraham, when he was called to go out into a place where he should, after receive for an inheritance, obeyed. By faith he obeyed. By faith he sojourned in the land. Okay, Through faith also Sarah herself received strength to conceive seed and was delivered of a child. All this thing, by faith, by faith, by faith, they did this, they did that, the other thing, right? And then we come to verse 13. And it says, These all died in faith, not having received the promises. Wow, that's a bummer. They died without having received the promises, but, because there's a but right there, having seen them afar off and were persuaded of them and embraced them and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. They didn't need to receive the blessings of God to know that the blessings were coming. They died not having seen these things come to fruition, but they received them by faith because they saw them afar off. Because God promised them and they knew that they could stand on the promises of God. And so that's where we are. They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. You see, when I was, when I was working uh, for Uncle Sam, you know, in the army, not really working, I was serving, whatever, we were in Saudi Arabia, and one day we got word that the uh, the armored cavalry, caval I can't even say the word, armored cavalry division. Can you tell I was a mechanic, right? The armored cavalry division in Kuwait City lost two squadrons of equipment in a fire in one day. Terrible thing, and this was like right after the war was over, so they were. They were really hot to get that equipment back up to them. They gave us 72 hours to get this equipment ready and take it to them. So 72 hours, we were working around the clock. Okay? Nobody was sleeping. Nobody was sleeping for 73, three days straight. And then at the end of those 72 hours, we loaded up all the equipment onto flatbed trucks and got into those trucks and drove to Kuwait City. Again, no sleep. I was one of the drivers, too. And we, we drove them to Kuwait City, and we got there. And when we got there, we had to unload the trucks, <laughs> you know? 96 hours we went with no sleep. But why? What gave us the strength to do that? I tell you, it wasn't the coffee, okay? although much coffee was drunk, believe me. It wasn't the coffee. 
It was the knowledge that there was a mission, that there was something that needed to be done and it was important and we had to get it done. That gave us the strength to get the work done. And then when we were done, believe me, we crashed out. And I mean, I slept for two days straight. I, w- I went to sleep on a Monday. I woke up. I was like, what day is it? It's Wednesday. <sighs> but they let us sleep and that was great. The point is this. When you have something that's important, that needs to be done, somehow you find in you the strength to get it done. Now I'm going to tell you something that I did not tell the people at Ebenezer. Okay? I did not, I did not tell them this. Because I didn't know how it was going to work out. Right? But, I worked last night. <laughs> Can you believe it? I worked a 12-hour shift from 6 p.m. to 6 a.m. Came home, took a shower, and then just got ready to go to work. Just got ready to come here. Do I look tired? I'm going to crash. I'll tell you right now. I am going to crash. I know it. But I came here with the faith to know that God was going to give me the strength to tell you what he wanted you to hear. And that's what this is all about. Waiting on the Lord. They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary, and they shall walk and not faint. I love this verse. It's my, one of my favorite verses in the entire Bible. Because there's so much promise that even though we sometimes, we feel like we're waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting. And why isn't God acting? Why isn't God responding? He is in His time. And if we can have the faith, if we can just muster up the faith to know that God will will come through, then we can do anything whether it's even physically possible for us or not. We can. So they that wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. So look around us today. Are we waiting on God to do something? Are we patiently giving God space to work a mighty move of the Spirit in our midst? When we go out on our own, there's only so much we can do. And maybe that's why... (laughs) Maybe that's why so many of us are tired. But this word from Isaiah today tells us to wait for Him in His time, on His schedule. It's a hard thing to do, but if we wait on God, then we will never tire of the work that He calls us to do. Let us pray. Almighty God, our Heavenly Father, we are waiting. We are waiting on You. And we receive Your promises by faith, Lord, because we know that You you don't promise anything that You don't come through on. You never have and You never will. The Bible is a record of Your faith in us and the promises that You make to us that that You keep. We can break our promises to you all the time, and we do. But you have never turned your back on us. You have never broken your covenant with us. And so so we rely on that, Lord. We are waiting on you. 
Show us where you want us to be. Show us what you want us to do. We know that you're still speaking to us, Lord. We want, we want to hear your voice. We want to know, Lord, what it is that you're calling us to do. We want to be the light in your, uh, in your community. We want, to be, we want to bring people to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. And so, Lord, guide us in all that we do. We are waiting on you. Pray this in Jesus' holy name. Amen. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. I hope that this teaching has blessed you as much as it has blessed me putting this message together. God has also blessed me by calling me to serve two churches in Salem County, New Jersey, Ebenezer United Methodist Church in Auburn and Hudson United Methodist Church in Pedricktown. If you live in the area and don't have a church to call your own, I'd like to invite you to join us on Sunday mornings for a Bible-based and God-honoring worship. Ebenezer meets for worship at 9 a.m. and Hudson meets for worship at 10.30. We also have Sunday school available and Bible study during the week. Now this podcast is self-funded and we never ask for donations. It reaches people all around the world, but it could reach more people if you do a couple of things and it won't cost you a penny. First, subscribe to the podcast and our YouTube channel. Leave a comment and also like the podcast. That puts the podcast in front of more people so that the gospel may reach them as well. Keep learning, keep growing, and I pray you will listen to Guerrilla Christianity again. Until next time, remember this, Christ died for you. Now go live for Christ.